Chapter 11, verse 1 And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? John is in prison, he's not far from death, he knows that his ministry has come to an end, and like the apostles from the early chapters of Acts of the Apostles, he is anticipating the Lord to bring in his physical kingdom, and he wants to be reassured that things are on track. He doesn't realize that the Messiah's ministry was to come, die, be resurrected, send the twelve apostles out into the world. They would preach, they would ordain elders who would preach and ordain elders, and people would continue to be witnessed to and be saved. The Old Testament prophets had limited light. And here John's knowledge of the Lord's ministry is limited, hence why he sends his disciples out to find out what is happening, why is there a delay. For Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. The Lord did miracles like nobody did. And in verse 4 he says, Go and tell John what you have already seen. These disciples had seen the Lord's ministry. They must have told John that the Lord was doing this and he was doing that. But for some reason, at this point in John's life, he's wanting further reassurance, hence why he sends the disciples to see the Lord. And the part of scripture from verse 6 says, you are blessed, you are happy, if you aren't offended in him, if you aren't offended by him. 7. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind, but what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. John had his ministry written down in the Old Testament, preserved by God. And the Lord here is pointing back to the Old Testament, and he's saying that they wrote about John's ministry, and he's simply wanting the multitudes to realize that John wasn't going to be something extraordinary. He wasn't going to be wearing nice clothes or living in king's houses. He lived a very simplistic life. But uh, above all, his ministry was foretold in the Old Testament. 11. Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Meaning that up until this time in the life of John, even at this point in the Lord's ministry, John was the greatest person to be born. Why? Well, he pointed 
to the Messiah's coming, he publicly proclaimed Christ as the Son of God. The children of Israel were publicly told by John that Christ was the Son of God. John himself baptized the Lord from the third chapter. Hence, at that moment in time, he was the greatest. However, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, because they have now been able to go into the kingdom thanks to John, and they have a higher standing. Once again, it's a bit of a paradox, but the bottom line is that John's ministry was foretold in verse 10. He was the greatest man up until this time in the Lord's ministry, but those that came after him are greater because they have gone into the kingdom. They have witnessed, they have been partakers, they have tasted of the heavenly gift. So they receive more light, they receive a greater blessing. But uh, that was only possible really due to the ministry of John the Baptist. 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent taketh it by force. There have always been church martyrs in any dispensation, even more so in the first century. To be a Christian in Rome pre-70 AD cost you a lot. You would be arrested, you would be paraded in the Colosseum, and you would be fed two lions. Many, many, many Christian men and women were killed for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it has always cost you something. It cost John the Baptist his life, and it cost the Lord himself his life. There's also reference here to a spiritual kingdom which has a greater application during the tribulation into the millennium. The people of God, the children of Israel, have always been persecuted and will always be persecuted and they also suffer the violence. 13. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Another reason why John is held up as this great beacon, because all of the Old Testament prophets and the law prophesied until John. Once John came and went, that part of the Lord's dealing, his ministry, his application to Israel ceased. With the death of a tester, there is a new testament. By the time the Lord comes up out of the tomb, a new covenant has been initiated. So here you have this transition period from law to grace, from the Gospels into the Epistles, and the first few chapters of Acts of the Apostles is still dealing with the Jews under the law, keeping the Sabbath circumcision, dietary restrictions, so on and so forth. Hence why the epistles are penned by the Apostle Paul, for the most part, explaining to non-Jews what was expected of them, and also to the Jews, those that had believed on the Lord, saved Jews, how they too were expected to live. 14. And if ye receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. John's ministry mirrored that of Elijah. Elijah, I believe, will be one of the two witnesses found in Revelation. He wasn't Elijah. He wasn't a reincarnation of Elijah, nor was he the resurrected Elijah. We know who John's parents were, but he came in the spirit of Elijah. 15. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Profound words. 
If you have ears, you need to hear. If you have eyes, you need to see. You need to believe. You need to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. 16. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows, and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous, and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. John was maligned, Jesus was maligned, Paul was maligned. If you are a Bible believer, if you have a public ministry or a good public testimony, you will also be demonized. They said that John had a devil from 18. They said that Christ had a devil from the 12th chapter and also from the 3rd chapter of Mark. It goes back to those that have eyes to see should see and those that have ears to hear should hear. The burden once again is put on the recipients of the gospel to be saved. The Lord gives people enough light to be saved but he also gives man enough rope to hang himself should he choose to reject the light of Christ, turn around and go back to his darkness, to go back to sin, to go back to the law. John 666, three sixes, interesting. And those people go back because they were never of the Lord to begin with. 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. It was their fault that they didn't repent. The burden of responsibility is always on the recipients. Nobody will be in hell because Christ didn't love them and didn't die for them. People will be in hell because men love darkness rather than light. We won't have this man to reign over us. And we've already seen how the Lord exercised two people possessed with devils and the entire town came out to see what had happened and they told the Lord to depart from them. Something I believe would happen in Wales, Scotland and England and Northern Ireland today if he was to return. People don't want the Lord to rule and reign over them. Because man loves darkness rather than light. 21. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bathsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes but I say unto you it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you and thou Capernaum which art exalted unto heaven shall be brought down to hell for if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom it would have remained until this day but I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Different levels of punishment in hell. Capernaum had great light because the king of the universe had come and lived among them. However, the prophet is never accepted in his own town. 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou 
has hid these things from the wise and prudent, and has revealed them unto babes. Some sharp sarcasm there really. These people thought they were wise, they thought they were smart. Hence the Lord blinded them, because they were already blind willingly. It was foretold in the Old Testament that they would be blind. And therefore, through foreknowledge, through seeing how people would react once the Lord had arrived, their condemnation was now finalized. There would be no hope for these people. And that is the bottom line. Most people die as they lived. Most people are not going to be saved. Most people cannot be saved because they are too far gone. And here the Lord says that he is thankful that God the Father has restricted those people with further knowledge, further light, because it gives them a higher level of accountability. And when the great white throne comes around, they won't be as severely punished as they would have been if the Lord hadn't been restricting their knowledge. But as a result of that, the Lord gives more light to babes, those that are humble, those that are meek, those that want to be saved. He gives law to the proud, but grace to the humble. 26. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Other scriptures say that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. In John chapter 12, he said he would draw all men unto him. What he's saying here is, you can't come to me unless I draw you, and I will draw you, and if I draw you, you will come to me, and if you believe on me, you have believed on me, because I have allowed you to believe on me. He's simply taking the credit here. He's simply saying that you'll only know me if I reveal the Father to you, and the Father will only know you if the Son reveals you to the Father. Three and one, one and three, and the one in the middle died for me. 28. Come unto me, all ye that labour, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's a very clear call to repentance, and then to discipleship. Up until this moment, you've seen the Lord dealing with Israel, pretty much affirming Old Testament traditions, teachings, prophets but here he says come unto me now this will mark a new phase in the lord's ministry this is now a new point he's calling on people to come unto him to follow him to trust him if he's not god he wouldn't be calling on the children of israel to follow him very few righteous people would have the audacity to say follow me and i will give you the bread of life follow me and i will give you everlasting life Follow me, and I'll give you the peace which passes all understanding. But he did. Very few people would say, without me, you can do nothing. But he did, because he is God the Son, the second member of the Godhead. Okay, so that will conclude the 11th chapter. It's one of the shortest chapters so far. And uh, with just 30 verses, we've seen the demise of John, but also the exhortation of John. We saw the law and the prophets finalizing up until John's ministry. And we've also seen the judgments which await those that were alive during the Lord's ministry compared to those that were alive pre.
pre the Lord's ministry and those that were alive pre the Lord's ministry would have repented, would have believed if somebody from the Lord's ministry had gone to witness to them a pretty remarkable statement to make. 